I've heard Scott Heal series, and this week uh, we're talking to Jeff Gillis, uh, known Jeff for many years. Uh, Jeff is going to be the one that's leading our Celebrate Recovery program that kicks off on November 6th. And um, here's what Jeff had to say about some of the pain in his life. Jeff, you know about the series, uh, Life Hurts, God Heals. Um, share with us some of the pain that you have gone through in your life. Uh, most recently, it's probably began in 2000. Uh, I really suffered the first time some grief of someone dying real close to me. And uh, that was my mother. And uh, I had to go through the, the ordeal of uh, deciding about... Uh, you know, ventilation and pulling the plug. And, and then uh, 2002, I went through, uh, we lost my mom in 2000. And from, it was about a six-month illness. Uh, 2002, nearly lost my dad. And so I was better prepared at that time. God was faithful. And uh, in 2003, uh, I went through a divorce. And so uh, that has been the... Uh, it's not been a very good starting with the new millennium. It's not been very pleasant. But uh, well, let me ask you: um, of those things you've mentioned, what was your lowest point? Uh, probably uh, dealing with the divorce after those issues, and and uh, and and the life change that occurs when that when it happens, and and probably to me it uh, it, it has to do with not just me, but how it affects. The whole family, uh, the extended family, your church family. Uh, as you know, I was real involved uh, teaching for a number of years. I, you know, I worked for you, and uh, and you know how I was involved in, in young people, and uh, and so it was very difficult to uh, suffering, um, not just um, myself, but uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was grieving over the split, and. Uh, and the black eye that it actually gave Christ, and, and because of the influences that God allowed me to go through those generations of kids and teach and be involved in their life, and so that was very difficult. Did you see that coming? When when were you first aware that, that there was a problem in your marriage? Uh, probably a number of years ago, but it just uh, you know you uh, you go into denial, and I think that. Uh, you know, you wrap yourself up into doing things sometimes for God uh, in hopes of things, you know, Him taking care of the situation. And uh, that's not always the right thing to do. One of the things I've learned that uh, in, in just studying to, for the Celebrate Recovery is that uh, we learn coping skills as young people. And we carry those sometimes. We continue to use those same coping skills when we get into adulthood. And when we get into adulthood, those sometimes those coping skills just don't they're not they're not gonna work. And what happens is it turns into bitterness mm-hmm. and unforgiveness. And so uh, one of the things that I learned is that uh, denial uh, is the key to is recognizing when you're in denial. And uh, and I can I can relate to that and that feeling and that process. You can see where you were in denial maybe about some of the problems mm-hmm. in your marriage. Yes. 
um, denial about maybe the pain that, that you've gone through. Um, because I know being in that position, you had a lot of influence, and so that hurts to see teenagers, young adults looking at you and your marriage um, not being able to make it. So there, there's pain in all of that. That's exactly. That's and those are things that you've had to work through. Well, what would you? What words of advice would you give somebody whose marriage is struggling, or maybe it's already ended, and they are facing loneliness? They're, you know, they're struggling with not having their spouse at home. They're seeing their children hurt. What what words would you give to them? The the, the best thing that I can tell someone is they need to be involved in with a church family, and they need to be involved with uh, people that's going to encourage them. And that's very difficult if you're you're going through that. So. Um, one of the things that uh, that I had to really rely on was close friends and people that I could share with and that would pray for me. And uh, and I was so fortunate to have two kids that were grounded enough in the Lord because they were in church and they they understood that divorce was wrong and they understood the uh, the complications and they understand God's word enough. And so I was I was so thankful of that and the. The support we were able to give each other through that, you know, they were 18 and well, 17 and and uh, and 22 at the time, and so um, it wasn't easy. Divorce is never easy at any age, and we we still struggle through it with you know problems. And each one of my kids handles it in a different way, mm-hmm. and so uh, coping with uh, the 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 family was the most difficult, and but we relied on each other the most and that's what I was blessed most about what if somebody is not yet divorced and they have the decision about whether to go through with the divorce or not what would you tell them I would tell them to seek godly counsel uh, I, I, I believe that's the most important thing I believe you have to overcome things from internally through Christ I believe you can go and you can learn you can go to Counseling sometimes, and all you're going to learn is coping skills again as an adult. And one of the most important things I think is you have to change internally through the power of Christ and and, and relying on His Word, and and that's what will get you through, and will, what will bring you closer to each other is through healing from internally through Christ. And I believe that with all my heart. So, uh, Jeff, share with us some of the. Some of the struggles of being single again and uh, kind of getting out in the dating scene. What are some of the things that you've tried? Well, I've tried personal services and I've had pretty good luck. <laughs> I haven't had a problem getting a date. And that, look at me. I've got gray hair and uh, several things there. And so I, I, I found it to be a new challenge. And uh, I learned how to interpret personals and figure out whether they were truly Christian or not by reading a personal. So, uh, okay, so we're going to finish with a personal ad for Jeff tonight. So look into the camera and tell someone why they should go out with you. <sighs> First of all, I'm handsome, uh, probably a very good speaker. Uh, you know, I know how to uh, handle kids, so if you got a couple of brats, I know I've got a couple of belts, so I do know how to take care of kids when they misbehave. So how how are you kissing, man? Mm. 
I turn the cameras off, and I'll tell you why I got the filter. <laughs> Jeff, there is your number. Um, coincidentally, Vicky is here today <laughs> when we showed Jeff's video, so that's that's pretty funny. Um, do what? Yeah, she may leave before the church is over, so y'all don't say anything to her. You can give Jeff a hard time. Don't give Vicky a hard time, though. <laughs> well, maybe we should just stop. You know, I asked him if he was a good kisser. We'd, uh, but I think Nathan doesn't want to know the answer to those questions, so we'll move right along. Um, one of the things that, that I want to say to you in this series is, if you stay anonymous with your pain, you're never going to get help. Um, in the whole series, Life Hurts, God Heals, God wants to be a part of the healing process. So at some point, you've got to step up and actually do what we're talking about. Now, the first week we started this series with what I call the reality step. Um, and that is step one, get help, admit you're not God. Um, what we're doing is we're taking a look at a famous sermon by Jesus, um, Sermon on the Mount, and we're looking at the, the passage called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. First step says this, God blesses those who realize their need for him or happy are those who realize their need for him. That's step one. We wave the white surrender flag and say, I need help, God. Step two, we call the hope steps, what we talked about last week. This is when you open your heart to God. You say, I know that God exists. I matter to him and he's the only one that has the power to heal my pain. Matthew 5, 4 was our verse for last week. God blesses those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And we say, when you break down, when you mourn, when you grieve, then you're really open to an answer in your life. You're open to God coming and doing something in your life. And you realize that he cares for you and he is the only one who has the power to heal your pain. Now, if you stop there, if you admit it, you say, I need help, you wave that, that flag, and then you say, I believe God has power, but you stop there, you will never experience healing. In order to get true healing, you've got to move into this third step that we're going to talk about today. Step three is, is, is the beginning of that. It's um, depend on Christ. I realize I, I need to turn my life over to Christ. And, you know, that's a really big step for a lot of people. Um, turning your life over to Christ, letting go of the reins of your life. That's a big step. But if you don't do it, you won't um, experience healing. So you say, I need to turn everything over, including all that I say, think and do. Now, here's paraphrase. This is how you remember real easily. The first three steps. Step one says, I can't. Step two says, God can. Therefore, step three, I choose God and I turn my life over to him. That's a real quick paraphrase of it. Now, as, as I think about this and as I've talked to some of you all, I've talked to folks in the past about pain and, and healing in their lives. Some folks will say, well, you know, I have no problem surrendering my pain. I'll turn that over in a heartbeat, but I won't give God the rest of my life. Eh, wrong answer. God doesn't work that way. God says, if you want me to be involved, I've got to be in charge of all of your life, not just your pain. Because your pain probably comes from a lot of dumb choices that you've made in other areas of your life. When you've tried to go things your own way without trusting God. And so God says, no, I will not come heal your pain until you turn your whole life over to me. Um, well, what keeps us from doing this? Here's your first thing on your listening guide. The biggest obstacle, depending on Christ, is pride. Pride. Y'all probably could have guessed that. Jesus said, God blesses the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, on your listening guides, I want you to look back at that, that verse I just read. God blesses the meek. Circle the word meek. Then circle that word pride that you have there on your listening guide. Kind of draw a line to, 
uh, in the middle there and put opposites. Meekness is the opposite of pride. Meekness is the controlled confidence in who God is and what God has the power to do in your life. It's security. It's peace. It's the opposite of pride. Now, guys, there's a whole lot of pride in this room, isn't there? Um, now, the guys won't admit this, but have you ever been with a guy who was driving somewhere and you knew he was lost? All 18 children in the vehicle know he's lost. Everybody on the road knows he's lost. I see people driving in front of my house and I'm going, dude, you don't have a clue where you're going. Because if you come down my road, if you don't live there and you're not going to see somebody there, you're messed up. You've gone the wrong way. And I'm like, you're lost. And people will not stop and ask for directions. That's pride. Right. Everyone knows you're lost and you won't stop and ask for directions. Well, that's pride. And pride keeps us from depending on Christ, which is this whole third step. What I'm about to read you are not my words. These come straight out of the Bible. You have them there on your listening guide. Let's see what the Bible has to say about pride. Proverbs 16. The Lord despises pride. Pretty strong word there. Be assured that the proud will be punished. Proverbs 18:12. Arrogant people are on their way to ruin because they won't admit it when they need help. Proverbs 29, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. I had someone call me last week and, and I won't share names, but, you know, this could be anybody in this room. I had somebody call me because he was on the way to somebody's house and he didn't know where the house was. And he calls me. I was in a soccer game, so I couldn't answer the phone at that time. I called back later. It's pretty funny. So he goes, man, I, I wanted directions to this house and I wasn't about to stop. You know, I wasn't going to tell my wife I was lost. So he calls me on the phone. You know, where is this house? He said they eventually made it there, um, which is a good thing. But his wife knew he's lost. He just needs to admit it. Now, I don't claim to be the smartest guy on the planet. You know, I went through high school. I graduated from college. I have I have a uh, master's degree from seminary. I'm, I'm fairly smart, but I don't claim to be, you know, rocket scientist, you know, that type of deal. But what I've learned in life, I observe a lot. I observe my brother's marriages and I tried to see what they did wrong and not repeat those mistakes. I observe a lot. I try to figure out. Patterns and behaviors. And and so um, I observe people and I try to learn from that. So what I want you to do is I want you to watch these videos and try to learn some life lessons from these quick videos. Check this out. This is one of my favorites here. (laughs) Watch quickly, because she's going to be gone. (laughs) This guy's brilliant. (laughs) Oh, this is one of my favorites, too. America's Sunny's home videos right here. You know it's coming. Now, like I said, I'm not the smartest guy, but I know if you try to jump on a two-story house with a bicycle and you miss, gravity takes over and it hurts. You know, if you stick your head in an alligator's mouth, that just seems stupid to me. I guess people pay money for that. You know, um, <laughs> there are just some things that you need to watch and learn about life. Life hurts. That's what this, this whole series is about. We have pain. Some of it is self-inflicted. Um, Some of it is caused by the the actions of others. Um, But here's something else that I've learned just from watching people in life and and trying to learn. And that is pride leads to humiliation. 
If you do not give up your pride, you are going to fall. And, and what we need to do is we need to say, yeah, I can't do life on my own. I need some help. Because the Bible tells us that pride leads to humiliation. Now, some people will say, um, I don't want to give some things up. When we did a, a man on the street interview a couple of years ago, we asked people, what did you have to give up in order to become a Christian? And they said things like, I mean, it was like adultery, um, alcohol, you know, fun, those types of things. And, and we said, what do you get if you become a Christian? And they're like eternal life. They couldn't figure out anything that you get on this earth. Because of Christianity, well, that's what we're talking about in this whole series is you get something, some some healing to your soul issues that I've not seen anywhere else that you can get. Some people say, I don't want to give stuff up. Well, that's pride. Um, Some might say, well, I've got some real intellectual questions that aren't answered yet. Okay, well, I can handle that. That's one of my areas that I love. I love Christian apologetics. I read books and and uh, Rachel came in the other day. She had to do this for her little Awana thing that she was doing. She goes. Daddy, why did God give us the Bible? And Janie just rolled her eyes and she goes, oh, dear, you do not want to write down these answers. I'm, I'm like, give me some some credit. You know, she's eight years old. And so I gave her the real quick ones because we could have gone into a whole lot of stuff. I like that. And I understand intellectual questions. But after after you've heard the answers to three or four intellectual questions, if you're just finding stuff, you know, like how come, you know, this and this, if you're just looking for that's an excuse, that's pride that you don't want to turn your life over to God. Now, the, the deal is everybody here depends on something. Some of you depend on your job. Some depend on your relationships, your children, um, your spouse. It may be material things, possessions. You're depending on something right now. And what I want to challenge you to do is quit depending on the band-aids to heal this hemorrhaging pain that's in your life. Depend on Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can help you. If you really want healing, stop depending on that other stuff. Start depending on Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? There are four ways. That you depend on Christ. The first one is you commit your life to God. Commit your life to God. We say this around here all the time. You become what you are committed to. Notice I didn't say you commit your life to church. I didn't say you commit your life to Christian music. Um, I didn't say you commit your life to being busy. You commit your life to God. Now, my kids like to go to McDonald's. Why? I do not know. It's not the quality of the food. McDonald's figured out a long time ago, you don't have to have good food. You just got to have a good what? Playland. My kids like Playland. And, you know, I've learned lessons through the years. Like one thing is you should eat your food before you go out to the Playland, because, you know, when you bite into your hamburger, it kind of tastes like a shoe because you got that smell. Of course, I'm not sure that makes a difference wherever you bite into a McDonald's hamburger. It tastes like a shoe. But something about being out in the Playland, you know, when you squeeze out your ketchup, it kind of reminds you of toe jam, that type of thing. And, you know, I visited some McDonald's that were out of control. And, and one time I was I was kind of looking around trying to, you know, find the manager. And, and I see him, you know, and he's like 11 years old, you know, and and he's running the whole place. And this thing's just out of control. Well, I want to I want to take that picture and I want to expand it a little bit. Just use your imaginations a little bit. Let's say that that we're at McDonald's and this dude in high school is running the place and we'll call him Skip. Skip is the manager of McDonald's and it's out of control. His employees aren't working. They're in the back making out. I mean, you know, you've seen you've seen the whole deal where you take you go to give your money to somebody at McDonald's. They've all got hickeys anyway. Uh, You know, that type of thing. Um, Everyone is is out of control. French fries are on fire. Customers are all upset. They're yelling. People are stealing money out of the cash register. Anarchy in the playland. Four year olds are taking mothers hostage, you know, in the little thing. This is just out of control. And the manager says um, at some point he's got to admit that he's lost control. 
And so finally he gets to that point. He's like, I can't control this. So he goes back into his little manager office and he pulls out the big uh, McDonald's instruction book. And he starts reading about this guy named Ray Kroc. Now, Ray Kroc's an interesting guy. The McDonald's brothers actually started McDonald's and were hugely successful with one restaurant. They tried to do the franchising thing and they failed miserably. Ray Kroc comes in. They sell all of their shares to Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc takes it global. If you want a friend, you want to know Ray Kroc. You don't want to know the the McDonald's brothers because he became the huge success behind the whole McDonald's story. Well, it tells you in the instruction manual that that Ray Kroc will come. If you just call him, he'll come and he'll take over your your store. He'll get it under control. So he dials the phone. He says, hey, Ray Kroc, come to my store. He comes to to McDonald's and he takes over. Now, when he gets there, Skip says, you are now in control. He takes off his manager's hat, you know, not the little paper one that they give the rookies. You know, Skip's been there seven months and he's making a quarter more than minimum wage. So he takes off his big, nice blue McDonald's manager hat and he gives it to Ray Kroc. And Ray Kroc says, I'm now in charge. I'll take over. And he restores sanity because Ray Kroc knows what's going on. Okay, that's a picture of what needs to happen in our lives. We can say I'm out of control, but until you take that manager hat, you take it off and give it to God and say you are now in control. You are not going to experience healing. Look at Deuteronomy 30. It says choose. I want you to circle that word because that word is huge here. Choose. It's a gift from God. God gives us free choice. We choose. God doesn't force himself on you. He stands there. He's a gentleman. Until you invite him into your life, he will not come in and give you healing. So it says, choose to love the Lord your God. Commit yourself to him, for he is your life. Psalm 37 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. So this is the first step if you're going to depend on God is you've got to commit your life to God. This is a one-time ultimate submission to God. One time when you say, God, I'm taking off my manager hat and handing it to you. I'm letting go of the steering wheel, God. I'm getting out of the pilot seat. I'm letting you be the pilot in my life. Now, you may have never done that. And this could be your thousandth time to come to church. But you have never said, God, I want you to have control of my life. I want you to bring me healing. And today could be the day that, that you do it. Um, really, you may be depending on, on church attendance. You may be depending on something else. And that's not going to bring healing in your life. You have to choose to depend on God. Now, the second thing you've got to do is change your mind to God. Change your mind to God. Here's a big word that you sometimes hear in church. And so we're going to practice it. It's called transformation. But I want you to say it in this way. This just reminds me of SpongeBob. So I'm doing it this way. Transformation. Okay, say that with me. Ready? Transformation. Some of you watch too much SpongeBob. I can tell. Now, transformation. That is where you allow God to transform your thinking. Transform your mind. Look at Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. There it is. Circle that word transform. Transform you into a brand new person. Now, underline this phrase. By changing the way you think. So this is how God transforms you. By changing the way you think. And then underline this this next phrase. Then you will know what God wants you to do. How many times do I hear people say, I used to go into youth groups and if I was in a different church or youth camp or whatever, I'd say, how many of you want to know God's will for your life? Everyone raised their hands. How many of you are reading the Bible? Not very many. How many of you attend church regularly and you're, you're hearing teaching from others? Even fewer hands. It is impossible to know what God wants you to do if you're not 
studying the Bible, if you're not reading, if you're not being fed spiritually, that's what we say. The church is, is the place where the hungry come to get fed every week. My job is to help feed people in, in, in a way that they can understand and apply those things to their lives. So if you want to know what God wants you to do, then you've got to let God transform your thinking. The way that happens is he puts his word in your mind. He puts truth in your mind. I was talking to a lady um, yesterday and, and she's really struggling with life. She's had trouble with drugs. She's having trouble with with her her boyfriend. And uh, she's just really having a lot of trouble. And she said, I just struggle. She said, but I've noticed when I read the Bible, she said, when I come to church, I feel better. And I said, here's the reason why. Because that is truth coming into your mind. When you are told the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. When you are, are in the presence of truth, it has a calming effect on your life. But Satan, Jesus said, is the father of lies. He wants to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy your life. And so he whispers all of that stuff. When you have anxiety in your life, when you're all messed up about life, that means you're listening to the enemy, Satan, and not to the truth of God. So if you want to know what God wants you to do, let God transform your mind. You will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Ladies, y'all remember back in the dating stage? You remember back in high school? We got a few students here today. Um, y'all remember the whole dating thing? Think about this. You see some guy and, and you think he's pretty cute. But in your mind, you think he doesn't know you exist. So the way you act reflects what you're thinking. He doesn't know I exist, so I'm just not going to pay any attention to him. You still kind of out of the corner of your eye. We know how you act. You, you think we don't, but, but we know. Out of the corner of your eye, you still have your, have your eye on him. And, and, and if he makes any movement in your direction, you're, you're going to look, you know, because what if that one time he walks by, kind of winks at you and smiles? Oh, my soul. It totally transforms the way you think, because all of a sudden you're like, he noticed me. And so now you walk by, you know, when you're going to class, you walk by his locker and, and you think of any excuse you can to, to be near him because he noticed me. The way you were thinking changed the way you were acting. Right. It's the same way that we're talking about here. Some of you are acting the world's way because that's all you know. You've been around people that, that lead you away from God, and that's all you know. And so you're thinking those negative thoughts, and you don't know how to come to God. You don't know how to depend on Him. Change your thinking, and it changes your actions. God says, when I take over as manager, I'm going to change the whole thought process, and that will result in a different set of actions. All right, here's the third thing if you're going to depend on God. Connect with others who depend on God. Connect with others who depend on God. Now, this seems like... So logical to me. <laughs> and I know some folks aren't going to want to hear this, um, but you become like the people that you hang out with. I, I know that's that's a tough thing, but it's true. Some of you are hanging around with people who are far from God and all they want to do is drag you further and further away from God. I'm not saying ditch your friends, but I'm saying you need to be around people who depend on Christ and who are going to lift you up and want to see good happen in your life, not bad happen in your life. They want to pull you towards God, not pull you away from him. Um, one thing I would encourage you to do if you need a group of people, get involved in a small group. We had our, our first new small group last week. Wonderful time. We were at Andy and Lisa's house and and, you know, that just warmed my heart being there and, and hanging out with them. And, and our prayer time was one of the sweetest prayer times that I've ever experienced. When I went home that day, my heart was overflowing. Um, I know you guys felt the same way, just overflowing as we went home that day, talking to my wife about this is what small group is supposed to be like. This is what life is like when our hearts and our lives are lined up and we do life together. Get involved in a small group. 
not Ryan and Mandy's today because everyone's sick, but you can get involved in another small group. We'll have theirs again in a, in a couple of weeks. Another thing I would encourage you to do is, is be baptized. This is real practical because in the Bible, baptism is where you identify with the body of Christ. And it's where you publicly say, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm, I'm choosing to be involved in this group of believers right here. We have a sign up sheet on the back. I think there's seven or eight people that have, have expressed an interest in being baptized. And, and we, we either have to hurry and do it before it gets much colder or we may borrow a baptistry or a hot tub or something. Who knows? We'll, we'll make it pleasant. I've, I've seen them in hot tubs. I've always wanted to do that. I think you've got to be careful. You've got to get a pretty long one, you know. Um, but I've always wanted to do that in a hot tub. I think that would be kind of fun. Um, since I'm not the one going under all of the chlorine, you know, I don't have to worry too much about that. Um, but here's what baptism is. It's a symbol. This wedding ring does not make me married. 1991. I was there. I remember the girl who gave it to me. I said all of these gushy forever words. She said all of these gushy forever words. We committed our lives to each other. And there's rarely a time that I leave the house without this ring on. If you look at my finger, there's a tan line where this goes because I wear this all the time. Why does it make me married? No, it is a symbol of my marriage. And, and I, don't, I don't think at all. I, I gave this up a long time ago. I've told you all this. I don't think at all that anybody's going to try to hit on me. Don't even care if anybody tries to hit on me. I just want everybody to know that, that there is a woman that I cherish. And this ring represents the commitment that I have with her. It's the same way with baptism. If you, the Bible says, Jesus told us, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. And so when we're baptized, that is a public testimony to everybody around. You think about when in the New Testament times, they didn't have church buildings. They didn't have baptisms, didn't have hot tubs. If they wanted to be baptized, they went to the Jordan River. It was a very public thing. And you could lose your life back then if you were baptized and said you followed Jesus Christ. It was a big deal. It's not that hard nowadays. Nobody's going to shoot you if you're getting in the baptistry, you know. Um, everybody's going to be excited for you. It is a symbol that I belong to Christ and I'm choosing to identify with this group of believers, this local body of Christ. So if you're interested in doing that, sign up back there. It is a, it's a sweet time when we have baptism. We have a big party and, uh, and do all kinds of fun things there. Now... In, in Hebrews, it says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. That can happen in a small group. That happens here. The Bible tells us, do not stay away from people who depend on God. You need people who depend on God. James 5 says, remind, uh, this reminds us of the power we have with one another. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Here might be the most important thing I tell you today. You are only as sick as your secrets. A friend of mine called me the other day and he goes, dude, I cannot sleep at night. I just need to share something with you. He said, this is tearing me up. I've not told a soul. And he just starts spilling his heart to me. And he goes, already I feel better. I didn't have any words of wisdom. I didn't tell him how to fix his problem. I just listened. He said, just having somebody I know I can trust made a difference. So you're only as sick as your secrets. Satan wants you to keep those things um, quiet. God wants you to bring those things into the light. When you do, Satan loses all of his power and you start to understand God's power to heal your life. I can guarantee you, no matter what you go through in, in, in your life, if you share in this church, nobody's going to be repelled from you. Lady I was talking to yesterday, she was just telling me all this junk that's going on. She goes, man, my life is weird, isn't it? And I said, no weirder than anybody else I know who struggled with drugs. I said, this is the place you need to come. 
Because we got folks that have struggled with drugs. We got folks that have struggled in their marriages. We've got all kinds of issues in our church, and we don't try to hide them. We're going to be real honest about them because that's how we get healing in our lives. Find someone you can trust and share your struggles with. There's something about God's people hanging out with God's people that that energizes us and causes us want to depend on God more. Number four, celebrate the journey with God. Celebrate the journey with God. The Christian life is a journey. It's not an overnight sensation. It's a journey. That's why a lot of times, you know, you'll have decisions at youth camp or in vacation Bible school and 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 they never go anywhere because they don't know it's a journey. They think it's just a one time deal. What do we have to celebrate? Well, God forgives you. That's pretty cool because I've done some pretty dumb things in my life. I've hurt a lot of people. God forgives me. Um, God wants a relationship with me. God, the all powerful God wants wants to know me. That's pretty cool to celebrate. God wants to give you the power um, and the healing to make it in life. Those are cool things to celebrate. And that's what we do on the weekends here. There's a lot to celebrate when you know about God. You may or may not have heard this word. Here's another great big word. Ready? Sanctification. Say that. Sanctification. I just do that to make sure you're still awake at the end of the sermon. All sanctification means here it is. In a nutshell, it means God's not done with you yet. Wherever you are on your journey, it just means God's not through. He's got more work to do. As long as you draw breath, you are not perfect. If you're a child of God, the only time you experience perfection is when you die and you go into the heaven, into heaven with God. That's when you experience the perfect life. On this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Just means God's not done with you. You're in the process of growing more and more like Jesus, and that takes time. Now, once you get on the journey, one of the things we're supposed to do is we're supposed to bring other people along with us. If you've never had the privilege of, of leading someone to Christ across the line of faith where they say, yes, I need what God has to offer. My life's messed up and I can't handle it. Or if you've never invited somebody to a place like this where they can hear messages about healing, you are missing out. I am, I'm one of those speed junkies. You know, I like the adrenaline thrill. I love that. My wife won't let me jump out of a plane, so I'm not going to do that. Um, she won't let me bungee jump either, man. She, I don't know what the deal is. I like stuff like that. I like, you know, being high and thinking, oh, dude, just that adrenaline rush. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like being there the moment someone says, I want what you're talking about. I want to have a relationship with God. I'm not even sure what all that means. But I want to give it a try. And that's what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to invite other people along on the journey. Um, If you've never done that, I want you to think about today being the day that you say, I'm going to invite someone to take this journey with me and to celebrate with me. Just tell other people. And you don't have to know all the answers. Somebody was saying this the other day. You know, what are we going to do if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to? All the time I get questions I don't know the answer to. I say, I don't know, but I'll look it up. Just say this. You know, once I was lost, now I've been found. You can say that. Once I went the world's way, now I go God's way. That's, that's enough to get started. For many of you, today could be a new journey. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, I, I, I highlighted that and underlined it because this is actually where we got the name of this church, New Life Community Church. From the beginning, we wanted to build a place that was a safe place for people to come hear what we call the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. Why is it dangerous? Because it will radically change your life. 
You talk to some folks that have met Jesus in the last few years, and they'll tell you that Jesus has changed the direction of their lives, changed their destinies. It's a dangerous message, but we want to give that message in a safe environment. And that's what we built this church for. Because we want people to find new life, new hope, um, new friends, new family. Psalm 135 and, and 145, there's some of each of those verses there. Uh, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate His wonderful name with music. Celebrate examples of His power. That's what we do every weekend is we celebrate. That's why we come together is to celebrate. That's why we play the music we do. We want people to celebrate. Celebration is not a funeral dirge. God forbid that I should ever be in a church where we are sad at church, where we, where we don't celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. I want something you can tap your toes to, something you can clap, something that's fun. Let's celebrate. Don't play funeral stuff unless I'm dead. Even when I'm dead, I told my wife, don't play sad stuff. I'm not there. I told her, I will come back and haunt you if you play sad stuff at my funeral. Because we're going to celebrate. I want, I want the band, and not that it's anytime soon, but I want the band to come and I want to play some rock and stuff. I want somebody to stand up and say, he's not there. He's gone to heaven. I want you to come with him. Woo-hoo! That's, that's what I think. Anyway, sorry. Um, the video testimonies that we're doing every week are celebrations of what God's doing in people's lives. So we want to celebrate. So here's the four steps. Commit your life to God. Change your mind to God. Connect with others who depend on God and celebrate the journey with God. Now, very quickly, I want to do something. Every few months I do this. I like to take the spiritual inventory of, of the folks that are here. And, and all you're going to do is on the back of your car, take your registration card and put your name on that real quick. Um, if you want to be on our email, then, then be sure and put your email address there. Um, if you want any messages or anything, you can always get that on our website, nlccp.com. Um, take those magnets with you. There's some cards there about Life Hurts, God Heals. we still got several messages in this series. Invite some people to come or go check out the website, whatever you want to do. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to put down one of, of these letters, A, B, C, D or E. All right. This is what you're going to say to me on the back of your card. Now, if if a listen to the explanation first, if you put a letter A, that means that you have never depended on Christ before. And today you want to do that. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. But if today is the day you say it's about time, I'm ready to depend on Christ. Put the letter A on the back of your card. B is I've depended on Christ before. I've committed my life to Christ, but I've never been baptized. Be baptized. Easy for me to remember. I have to do things like that. So if you're interested in being baptized, put a B on the back. If you don't understand everything, that's all right. I'd be happy to sit down and talk with you as long as we need to about baptism. Um, and we'll sign you up to get that done. C, and maybe you're afraid of hot tubs and you don't want to do it there. That's okay. We, had, we did it one time at, at a lake and folks, there was one person who didn't want to be baptized in a lake. So we did it in a swimming pool. I mean, we can work around We can find water. We can find clean, clear water. C is I've made the choice to depend on Christ, but my mind and my connections haven't changed at all. All right. I've chosen to do that, but I'm not seeing any results in my life. Um, I'm still kind of facing the world. Put the letter C down there because that gives me um, gives me something to pray for. It also gives me something to talk to you about. D is I've depended on Christ, but I'm going to celebrate by inviting others on the journey. I'm depending on Christ. Hadn't really been inviting enough people. I'm going to celebrate this journey by inviting others on the journey. That's a D. And E is, I'm not even at step one yet. I'm not even sure what all this is about. So I'm, I'll just put a letter E there. All right, A, B, C, D, or E. All right, quick review. Step one is I can't. Step two is God can and He cares about me. Step three, 
I trust God to take control of my life and let the healing begin. This is where it starts. Next week, it gets wild. The next five weeks, we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. If you can take these steps, then you're on your way to healing. Let's pray together. Now, if you wrote down an A on the back of your card, that means I've been coming to church or, you know, I've heard about this Christ thing, but I've never depended on God before. Just silently in your mind, you might pray something like this. God, I want a relationship with you. I want to depend on you. I hand over the steering wheel of my life, not just my pain, but my whole life to you. As much as I understand, I want a relationship with you. Would you come and take control of my life? Now, it's not the words. The words aren't magical. It's the sincerity of your heart. It's the motives of your heart that God looks at. Being a Christian means Christ's one. You belong to Christ. Father, thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you see our pain, that you have answers, real answers. Thanks that you love us, not based on what we've done. It's not based on how much we have our act together. You love us because you created us and you want to hang out with us. May the healing begin as we take this step to depend on you. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. You're just-